If you have a Bible, can you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34 as we continue to worship the Lord this morning as we've done through singing and through prayer uh, and now as we uh, read God's word from Deuteronomy 34. If you've been with us, you know we've been in the book of Deuteronomy for uh, on and off for over a year now and uh, this is the 40th message, the final message from the book of Deuteronomy as we uh, conclude the series we've called uh, The Old School Gospel, how Deuteronomy leads us to joy in Christ. So it's my hope and prayer this morning that uh, we can see how uh, the end of Moses' life is uh, uh, not the final part of the story of the good news, but rather uh, he has a life that points us to Jesus um, and helps us uh, understand uh, the role of God's word in our lives today. So uh, let me pray as you turn to Deuteronomy 34. Uh, God, thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, I do thank you that you are a good and gracious God to your people. Lord, as we've seen throughout uh, history, through scripture, through uh, the history of your church, God, in our lives and our uh, own experiences. And God, I thank you for a time that we can open your word this morning. And I pray uh, that as we conclude this series in Deuteronomy, God, that you would, um, by your spirit, speak to our hearts and minds. Uh, God, that your scripture would make sense in our hearts and minds. God, that that uh, by your spirit, through your word this morning, you would shape us to be more like your son, Jesus, that you would be shaping us as a people for your own possession who are zealous for good works. God, that you would be shaping us to reflect the goodness of Christ to the world around us through our families and our neighborhoods and through our uh, schools and workplaces and, and anywhere you place us, Lord. So, Lord, I thank you for uh, a season to go through the book of Deuteronomy, and uh, God, I pray that you would use this final uh, message, this final time this morning, in the way that best brings you glory and us joy, and uh, gets the name of Jesus out to the nations. We ask in his holy name. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 34 says this, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and the land of Judah as far as the western sea, and Negeb, and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho and the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. This is God's word. 
Friends, the life of Moses was not about Moses, but about God and his purposes. And there's great truth for that for you and I today to see how this leads us to Jesus and how we ought to live. On Netflix right now, there's a movie called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. I can't necessarily commend it to all of you, depending on your preference, but I watched it. It has Steve Carell and Kira Knightley. It's tagged as a romantic comedy, but the premise of the film's a little morbid. Basically, the Earth has just been informed that they have 21 days before an asteroid destroys it. And it's an interesting movie. It has Steve Carell, Keira Knightley, some good acting and funny situations. But as I was watching this film this week and, and, and thinking about Deuteronomy and how Moses is ending his life, it was interesting to see how different people respond to the news that their life will soon be over. I mean, that was the the premise of the film. It's like, hey, Earth, you have 21 days before all is over. And so the film just kind of sees what happens over the course of 21 days, what people do. All right, so you have some people that lose all hope. Just, they're like, what's the point of living these last 20 days if everything's going to fall apart? The total hopelessness. You have other people that say, hey, 21 days, let's just party like crazy. And people pursue pleasure and get totally trashed. You see people, some of them are hopeful. They're saying, you know what? Let's dig a bunker. Let's get some canned food. Maybe we'll survive this. They're they're planning ahead. But the story follows two characters, Steve Carell and Kira Knightley, as they are seeking to reconnect with family and find significance and meaning for their whole lives in the last 21 days. There's a lot of reflecting back to family, reflecting back to stories, trying to find love and try to find meaning and purpose. It's not about hopelessness and throwing in the towel. It's not about self-seeking and pleasure and partying. It's not about riots and stocking up loot that you steal from the, lo- the latest local store that is going out of business because the world's ending. And I was thinking about it this week. All of us, in some form or fashion, are on this quest to find meaning and significance. And I think the root of any brokenness or sin or struggle that that patterns our lives often comes out of fear and often comes out of pride, and those things are prompted by us trying to find meaning and significance. What I mean by that is this. If you think, you know what, if I could just get this kind of job get to this kind of status, get this much money in the bank, then maybe I'll be important, I'll be valued, I'll find significance, there'll be meaning to my life if I can have X amount of dollars in the bank or, or some sort of status or succeed in my career. And it's good to do well in your career. I think God puts us in careers so that we can thrive. But if our motivation is to make a name for ourselves and find meaning and significance in that, then that can fuel pride and that's actually devoid of the gospel And then sometimes we despair thinking, well, what's the point? I have no title. I have no money. I have no significant relationships. And we find ourselves falling into despair and fear and shame. But when we look at the gospel and when we see what Jesus has laid out for his people, we can actually see the good news of the gospel through the life of Moses. 
We can actually look back and see Moses is a person whose life was not really about himself. It was about the plans and purposes of God coming to fruition. You see, Moses' significance and meaning was not in his resume. It was not in what he acquired. In fact, if you look at the story very carefully, God after, after using Moses to do all of these wonderful signs and wonders to, to lead people out of Egypt, to lead God's people out of bondage, leads them for four decades through the wilderness as they whine and complain and rebel and grumble. And then God leads them through Moses to the edge of the promised land. And then God drops this, what I think is an very discouraging bomb on Moses at first glance. God says, I have let you see the land with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. Thanks, God, right? Does anybody read that sentence and think, God, God, I just... You may not remember me, Lord, but I just have led your people for 40 years through the wilderness as they complained and disobeyed. You don't, and now you're not going to let me go to the promised land? Like, at first glance, does that bother any of you? Or is it just me? Is it like, hey, Moses, you're going to die and I'm going to bury you under a rock and nobody's going to know where your grave is? That's what it says here. God says to Moses, hey, there's the land you're not going to go over there. Verse 5, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. Verse 6, God buried him in the valley, and no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Bummer, right? There's a famous quote that says, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. And if I would have heard that in seminary, I probably would have just kept being a music major. But you know, that is the essence of the gospel, is that it's not about us and our resume and our accomplishments, and it's not about making a name for ourselves. It's, it's like seeking a friend for the end of the world. It's not about trying to find significance in what we acquire or what we accomplish, but rather seeing that our stories are linked in with a story that's much greater than ourselves, whose hero is much more beautiful and wonderful than any hero we can become on our own. Right, And so the story of Moses points us to Jesus in numerous ways, and I want us to look at that even in this last set of verses. We've tried to do that over the past 40 messages. We've tried to see how Deuteronomy leads us to joy in Christ. We've tried to see how uh, Jesus fulfills all of the expectations of the law, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies and requirements of the law, that Moses is a type of leader that leads us to Jesus, who is the true and better servant of the Lord. And we're going to see that again today, because Moses' life was not about Moses, but about the work of the Lord. It was more than just himself, but leads us to Jesus. It was more than just about Israel going into a land of promise, but it shows us the hope that we have in Christ being led to a new and better place as his people. So I want us to look first at this. As Moses had the identity of the servant of the Lord, I want us to see a couple aspects of that. Moses was a servant of the Lord, Scripture tells us numerous times, and in verse 5 here, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. Now, servant is a big word. It's a big deal. Uh, It tells us a lot more about 
Moses' role in God's plan than about Moses' accomplishments of his own right. So often we can look at it and say, well, I want to be a servant of the Lord, so let me do X, Y, and Z. I mean, I want to be known as a servant of the Lord, so maybe if I can go to seminary and get some degrees, people will know me as a servant of the Lord. Or maybe if I can be an exemplary preacher or an exemplary songwriter, or if I could just be super awesome at my humanitarian deeds or start some ministry or whatever, those are all good things. But if we look at the word servant of the Lord and think that Moses got this title because of his resume, then we grossly misunderstand the gospel and we actually misunderstand Moses' part in the gospel story. You see, Moses' role was to be a servant of the Lord. It was not some awesome title he acquired because of his amazing work ethic. In fact, scripture tells us numerous times that, uh, you know, Moses was kind of moody. He, he wasn't an eloquent speaker He had his doubts and fears. He actually killed a guy. So Moses did not acquire some title as being this epic servant of the Lord because of his awesome resume. But here's what we see happens. God, out of his grace, and maybe in some mysterious way that we're not to understand, God chose to use Moses in the role of a servant to lead God's people to a land of promise. He chose to use Moses as an imperfect man and deems him a servant. And here's what I want us to see. Here's what this role of servant means for Moses. Verse 5, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. But there's so much more that God used Moses to do before his death. Check this out. This this is kind of cool. Verse 10 says this. Could you, could you read it first? You're like, Moses dies, he's buried under a rock, nobody knows where he's buried, we can't even go lay flowers there. But verse 10, listen to this. There has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So here's what I want us to see. Being a servant of the Lord may not mean that you get to march into the land of promise with loud cheers with everyone around you. Being a servant of the Lord is a role that may end in your death in an unmarked grave under a rock in the desert where people can't even come give flowers to remember you. But here's something beautiful. Being a servant of the Lord means you have a face-to-face relationship with God. Isn't that great? Like, if you only read a couple verses, you'd say, man, who would want to serve the Lord if it means you're going to die in the wilderness and you don't even get to get the reward of your 40 years of hard work? But you see, the reward for servanthood to the Lord is so much greater than just a tangible march into this land of promise, but it means you have a face-to-face relationship with the Lord. That's amazing. Look what else we see about Moses. Not only did he have a face-to-face relationship with the Lord, but he actually, he, he spoke the word of the Lord. In fact, with the exception of this death part of his story, he wrote a lot of Deuteronomy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he wrote this part because he was under a rock. But maybe, I don't know. Somebody else tagged in this last chapter here. But Moses not only knew the Lord face to face, he spoke the word of the Lord. In fact, we saw this last week. We see it again in verse 10. There has not been a prophet in Israel since Moses. 
A prophet is someone who proclaims the goodness of God over his people. Uh, the, the prophet is someone who, who like teaches God's people and proclaims the goodness of the Lord and says, hey, God is making good on his promises. And that's exactly what we see God do. In fact, before Moses dies, God says to Moses, hey, you're not, you're not going to go in there, but, but you need to see that this is the land which I swore to Abraham. I swore it to Isaac. I swore to Jacob to give their offspring. I'm making good on my promise now. You can die under a rock knowing that I am a good God who made good on my promise. God knew Moses face to face. Moses knew God face to face. Moses spoke the goodness of God over his people. He got to witness the works and deeds of the Lord. He got to see the Lord make good on his promise. Verse 11 and 12 says this. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all the land, and for all the mighty power and great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. You see, Moses got to know the Lord face to face. Moses got to speak the promises of the Lord over God's people. He got to witness and actually experience and do some of the deeds of the Lord on behalf of of God to God's people. You know, you could read the story of the Exodus. It's amazing. You can watch the, the cartoon that came out like 20 years ago. It's jamming, great soundtrack. You can see God used Moses to do some amazing things. But again, I want to stress, it was not because Moses had some awesome resume. It was not because Moses had this acquired title of servant of the Lord, but rather God, out of his grace and goodness, said, I'm going to use you in a role of my epic redemptive story to be my servant. And as you serve me, you will get to see me face to face. You will get to speak my words over the people. You will get to do signs and wonders that I am doing in you and through you. You will witness my faithfulness to my people. I will fulfill my promises that I made generations ago to my people's children. See, if you take a step back, the reward Moses got as being a servant of the Lord was far better than if he would have just grabbed that title himself, right? I mean, if Moses would have stepped on the scene and said, hey, I am God's servant. I want you all to listen to me because I'm going to do some cool stuff. I'm going to teach some good stuff. I'm going to lead you well because I'm such a great leader. And I'm going I'm to be the first to step into the promised land. You know, you follow me because I'm leading you. He could have done that and his reward would have ended there and he would have died and that would have been it. But you see what happens is that is not what happens at all. The guy says, you're my servant. I'm going to know you face to face. I'm going to give you my words to speak over the people. I'm going to give you my law very physically, like hand it to you on some stones that I carve with my own finger, and you're going to take it down to the people and teach it to them. You're going to do signs and wonders that are, that are my power in you and through you. You're going to witness my faithfulness and goodness. But you're not going to go into the land. You know, it's amazing. I just, I just love this. You see Moses come back time and time again because at first you're like, man, you can't even drop flowers on his grave because nobody knows where he's buried. But he's repeatedly in Scripture just loved and revered. And in fact, you see him again in the Gospel of Matthew hanging out with Jesus. That's pretty awesome. Don't you agree? So I want to challenge you and encourage you with this because I, I know some of us can struggle 
and, and this is not really the full point of this, but just as a little cat, a little footnote, maybe a little aside tangent. I just want to encourage you in the service of the Lord to not serve the Lord pragmatically so that you get some sort of tangible gift. I just feel like I need to throw that out there. Uh, Because sometimes, as far as we can see, it doesn't look like there's going to be some reward we get. I just, just want to throw it out there. Serve the Lord because he is faithful. Serve the Lord because he is good. Serve the Lord because he is right. And, and he teaches us and commands us to do what is right. But, but sometimes, as far as we can see, is, okay, I, I'm going to be buried under a rock in the desert. I, I think that may be as far as Moses could have seen here. I mean, that, that's, all, that's all God tells them, Right? <laughs> I mean, God says, hey, there's the promised land. You're not going there. You're going to die here. I don't know if Moses knew that a couple hundred years later he was going to be hanging out on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Elijah. I, I don't know if God told him that. Uh, so I don't know if that was a lure of, of, hey, I'm going to give you this awesome reward that's better than the promised land. Just keep coming. I just think it's amazing. I don't know how much Moses knew. But we can look at the story in hindsight and say, wow, the reward Moses got was far better because, you know, he didn't get to go into the land of promise, but he got to go be with the Lord right away, like face to face. And we see that later with him hanging out with Jesus and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's amazing. In fact, it's probably better than the promised land physically at that time. I'll just assume that. But we see there's so much more that God is teaching us through the life of Moses, through the death of Moses, that Moses had the identity, the role, rather, of a servant because he knew the Lord face to face. He spoke the word of the Lord. He did the deeds of the Lord. He witnessed the faithfulness of the Lord. And this, for you and I, points us to Jesus. Here's how I want us to see this. Because when we look at Jesus, we see that in Christ we see God face to face, that in Christ are the true words of God, that in Christ is God action, God's action, in Christ is the faithfulness of the Lord to his people for all generations. When you read the Gospels, look at it through that lens. When you read the New Testament, see how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those expectations, that even though Moses was a good servant and a good prophet, that Jesus is the true servant and the true prophet. We looked at last week how Philippians 2 shows the servant heart of the Lord Jesus being the true and better servant on our behalf. We see that the Gospels remind us that Jesus is the true prophet preaching the words of God, that his actions of miracles is actually God in action breaking light into the darkness, and that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promised faithfulness to his people. In fact, listen to this. John 1, the Gospel of John says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life, and the life was the light of men. You see, the gospel writer John starts off his gospel message with the truth that Jesus Christ is the Word incarnate. He is God's Word dwelling with mankind. He is God setting foot into human history. He is God putting to flesh his action and faithfulness to his people. But listen to this. John goes on to say this, verse 16. 
For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. You see what's going on here? The gospel writer John starts off his gospel in the very first chapter saying, hey, 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 just want to, just to point out here that, that God gave the law through Moses. Moses, the servant of the Lord. Moses, who saw, who knew God face to face. Moses, who spoke the word of the Lord, who did the works of the Lord, who witnessed the faithfulness of the Lord. That was Moses. Leads us to Jesus in whom grace and truth have come to us. In Jesus, who we see God face to face. In Christ, whom we know God the Father. In God incarnate, Jesus, who was in the beginning with the Word, was the Word. He was the Word of God. He was in the beginning with God. All things have been made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. You see what's going on here? Jesus is the fulfillment of all expectations of God's work, his word, his action, and his faithfulness to his people. And that's good news for us. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what does this mean for you and I today? We look at chapter 34 as Deuteronomy is coming to a close. We see Moses is buried under a rock in the desert. In the last couple verses of Deuteronomy talk about Joshua. Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. You see, Moses knew his life was not about himself. In fact, I don't see him necessarily grumbling when he gets buried under a rock. Because God was faithful to relate to him face to face and use him in his role. And then you see that Moses passed on the baton to Joshua. You know, Moses was not like, hey, I want you to be sure that once a year everybody comes back to my grave and sings a song and lay flowers here. He doesn't say that at all. He's like, Joshua, move forward. Press on. Follow the Lord who has been so faithful to give us this land. This is like this epic story to move on, to move forward. There's no telling what's ahead, but we can trust the Lord because he has done great things for us. He has shown us great things. He is making good on his promises. He has been faithful to his people. Joshua, just lead the people. So for you and I, I don't think an asteroid is going to hit the earth in 21 days. But I think it would be good for us to pause for a moment and think about the meaning and significance we are striving after in our lives. Are are we striving to do things out of pride? Are we striving to do things out of fear? Are we self-seeking, self-serving? Or do we see that in Christ we are tapped into a larger legacy of redemption and God's faithfulness and God's grace and truth in our lives, through our lives? It's such good news. I, I don't know where you are in your faith. I don't know what struggles all of you are going through. Maybe there are some very real concerns, medical concerns, and you're like, Jeremy, this is, I really don't know how much longer I have. 
Maybe there's someone in your life that is struggling with that. Maybe there's a, a terminal illness or some sort of situation going on, and, and you can step back and say, you know, a life well lived is not about acquiring wealth or having stellar accomplishments, but rather it's about proclaiming who God is and what he's done for his glory and the good of his people. It's about God making good on his promises. It's about looking at the story of redemption and looking to Christ who is God incarnate, relating to you face to face, proclaiming God's goodness, showing God's faithfulness, and is leading us to somewhere far better. Can't wait to get there. So if you're here today, I want to ask you to consider, you are here today. If you are here today and you do not know the Lord, if you are here today and you are a seeker or a doubter or a skeptic, we're so glad you're here. We want you to bring your questions, bring your uh, doubts and disbelief because we believe that God by his Holy Spirit will meet you there. And if you're here today and you do not know the Lord, it is our hope and prayer that you would trust in Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, that you would not look at the story of Moses and say, well, let me be like Moses Or maybe if I do the law of Moses, then I'll be good with the Lord. But rather, we can look at the story of Moses and see how that leads us to Jesus. And we can look at Jesus and see how he fulfills everything needed on our behalf to have a face-to-face relationship with God the Father. And so if you're not a Christian, I just want to invite you to trust Jesus. I want to invite you to, uh, to trust that Jesus is God incarnate, who lived a perfect life on your behalf and died a death in your place as a substitute so that you can have forgiveness of sins and a right relationship with God the Father. That's what I want you to know. If you want to talk more about uh, the details of that, grab me or any of the leaders here, and we would love to talk through the gospel with you. If you are a believer, I want to ask you to join me in repentance, turning from our sin, our doubts, our disbelief, turning from our pride and our fear, and turning to Jesus in joyful trust and obedience. Because it is easy for me, and probably for many of you, to think, well, I'm a servant of the Lord because I don't smoke or drink. I've memorized X amount of the Bible. These are all good things. But if we put our faith and trust in our accomplishments, we miss out on what God would have for us leaning into the grace and truth that is ours in Christ. So if you are a believer, I want to encourage you to repent, to turn from sin, from pride, from fear, and to trust Jesus as the first song we sang today is is lean into the arms of Jesus. That's what I hope our posture would be as Christians, ongoing uh, repentance and faith. Um, As we have a time of response, as we have a time of response, uh, there's a few ways that we can respond here. Um, If you're a believer, you will see before you is uh, wine and juice and bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken for you, and the wine and juice represents the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. If you are a believer, if you're a Christian, we'd invite you uh, to come and to tear off the bread and dip it in the wine or the juice, remembering who Christ is and what he's done for you. As we do this, we not only remember, but we proclaim to one another that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he would do, that Jesus is uh, the embodied faithfulness of God, that God has made good on his promise to uh, seek and save his lost people, and that is made true in Jesus Christ. So if you're Christian, we invite you to come do that. Uh, The musicians will come back up here and lead us through song if you want to sing or to pray or to Um, come talk to somebody. There are ways to respond there as well. Um, I'll read this scripture 
as we enter this time of response. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats or drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So it is a time for us to spend uh, confessing any unrepentant sin uh, before we uh, come and worship the Lord in this way. Uh, Let me pray. Father God in heaven, God, I thank you for your goodness to your people throughout generations. And God, as we conclude um, a study on the book of Deuteronomy, God, I pray that you would bring to mind, uh, back to our minds, the uh, things you have taught us, how we have seen uh, how the Old Testament leads us to Jesus. God, I pray as we study your word that it would make sense in our hearts and minds. Uh, God, that your spirit would be at work in our minds to uh, combat doubts and disbelief, uh, pride and fear. God, that you would humble us uh, and give us minds to understand, eyes to see, ears to hear. Uh, God, for our hearts, Lord, I pray that our hearts maybe have been hardened. God, I pray that you would soften them. God, I pray for hearts that maybe are spiritually dead hearts, Lord, that you would awaken them to beat with new life. God, for hearts that are wounded and scarred, Lord, that you would bring healing and comfort and joy. God, I pray that in all these things we would see Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. God, that your Holy Spirit would be in constant work in us to shape us to be more like your Son, Jesus, and to be shaping us into a people for your own possession. God, a people who are full of joy, full of wisdom, full of faith, full of grace. God, I pray that amazing things would happen for your glory and our joy, that we would see uh, your work in and through us and how we are a part of this grand story of redemption that you have been doing for generations. God, we do thank you for your goodness. In Christ's holy name, amen.